And if you only look at uh, the dark sides of life, and there are many in this time, it's really difficult to uh, discover a ground of hope. So this is one of the muscles we need to, to train, to use your expression, because it's the only way to, 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 to keep going. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Blom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Karin, please go ahead. Thank you, Maurice. My name is Karin van der Broeke. I live in the Netherlands. I'm responsible for an organization that's an integrated part of the Protestant Church in the Netherlands. And it's a department for mission and diaconia. Very nice work. Uh, um, most of it is abroad, uh, but 10% of our work is uh, uh, in uh, the Netherlands. And, uh, well, these are all projects that have to do with, uh, uh, with uh, development. Mm-hmm. And how many years have you been doing it? Uh, only for two years I'm in okay. this job. Uh, perhaps it's nice to know that I'm a, a minister. Uh, Reverend of the Protestant Church in the Netherlands for more than 30 years already. And well, I, I served at uh, several uh, places. I started as a, a chaplain in a, in a small village. Then I became a student and university chaplain. And then after 10 years, I went back to a, a small village again. Uh, then I was appointed to a, 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 the president of the synod of the Protestant Church in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, I also uh, got engaged in the World Council of Churches, still uh, in the board of the World Council of Churches. Uh, after five years, my term as a, a president of my church was over and I went back to a local congregation and now I'm serving at this, uh, uh, this place. Wow, that, that's really impressive and, and especially, I mean, all those um, things that you have done have you know, uh, different types of, of uh impact but you know I, I think on a relatively young age from my point of view being the general secretary that's that's a big big thing I I would I would like to go there and know more about you know how what you did and how you look back now but but um my guests are always interested you know how did you get where you are now so where did you grow up and and uh, were you born in the Netherlands and where did you go to school and tell a little bit about that uh, Karin yeah well of course for me it's my normal life it's my experience that people always have the feeling well it's a little bit special Um, uh, because my whole life I served in the church uh, as a professional and I was born after I was born uh, my parents choose to baptize me but we didn't Mm -hmm. go Uh, we didn't attend church my parents didn't and my father was a little bit against it even uh, for my mother it was connected to her childhood uh, but mm, uh, it was not uh, that much of meaning Mm -hmm. and uh, when I uh, was a student uh, I started started as a student uh, in uh, law Um, Mm -hmm. 
So why did you why did you decide to to study law? Uh, well, at that point, I think I was uh, really interested in what's justice about, what's truth mm. about, uh, mm. how can we serve those in society, mm-hmm. and I think. That also came a little bit from my uh, uh, background. I'm born in uh, Rotterdam, huge city in the Netherlands. And my father too uh, was born over there, and um, he was he had born then in 1933, uh, years before uh, the war uh, started, Second World War. Um, and I think he, as a young boy, he had really bad experiences in Rotterdam. The city was boomed, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not far from his house. Um, and um, I always felt my father has a kind of distrust, a voice in his in his whole life. And for me as a child, I have felt, hmm, this is not what I like. This is not mm. how I want to look at life. Mm. Uh, so I always was searching for Uh, Where are the positive things in life? Can we live from a little bit of trust and love and uh, solidarity? And I started studying law, serving uh, uh, justice, uh, uh, I thought at that moment. And uh, some of my friends uh, that I remember from my study time on, they went on on this way and uh, they did a really good job. For me, uh, the first uh, two years of this uh, study, uh, a lot about uh, rules and regulations. And uh, I was looking for something, uh, well, what's what's really inside there? Hmm. And at that time, there was a, a, a pastor, a minister from the Protestant Church in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. whom I met, and he told me about the Bible and how he uh, combines uh, the questions of justice, peace, uh, and stories in the Bible with each other. And for me, it was just so inspiring. And I thought, mm. well, let's let's go this way. Let's let's just try it. Yeah, and and it was a, actually a very famous uh, minister in the Netherlands, right? Yeah, uh, that you met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh, Karel, his name is Karel Telinde. Yeah. And at that time, he served uh, near uh, the city where I uh, uh, was a student. Mm-hmm. Uh, but later on, he went to uh, The Hague, uh, where also our queen was living. And mm-hmm. he uh, he was the one uh, that married Alexander and Maxima, Willem-Alexander and Maxima, uh, our king and queen uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. Oh. Um, so so when so then after two years when you decided to study theology, how did your parents react to that? And and um, yeah, did you did you really start? Did you really uh, enjoy it from the beginning, or was that also going like, hmm, is this the right choice that I've made? How, how did that go? Uh, for my parents, uh, they were really worried. What are you going mm-hmm. to do? Uh, theology. Um, well, uh, my father, he, I think he felt a responsibility uh, during his whole life uh, to serve his family, uh, to earn uh, enough money. And he said, what are you going to do? Theology. Are you going to live from the beggar staff? Uh, so he, he was really worried also because of yeah. that. Um, uh, and of course, in, also in that study, there were some tough parts, uh, but I really uh, liked it uh, when I s- started. Uh, I couldn't imagine uh, becoming uh, a minister. I was just open. I was interested. I was interested in stories. I was interested in, uh, is there something that 
deeper uh, uh, and it helps me understanding uh, how people can reflect on their lives uh, how are there uh, different perspectives on uh, what's the meaning of life uh, which instruments are helpful for people on their way uh, what does it mean that we talk about common goods uh, what does it mean that we talk about justice and peace um, uh, is there one set of rules that uh, serves justice or is it more a concept and uh, what's helpful to reflect on this uh, concept with whom can you share uh, these concepts and uh, what interested me in the bible is that um, uh, also in the bible it's not one set of rules mm -hmm. it's just a pile of stories about people struggling struggling in life uh, but uh, uh, somehow they live with the concept of hope uh, mm. uh, they uh, and they live with the concept of trust and they are motivated uh, to uh, to live their lives with courage with the direction um, and the direction is um, uh, we trust that God is with us on the way of justice and peace. And and then you, you know, although you were just telling me, you know, when you, you studied it because you had an interest and an, um, an appetite for understanding, uh, you know, more about life and, you know, why are we here, purpose. And, and... But then you finish your study and you do get into you know, yeah. going to a small town and yeah. So how did that happen then finally? So what yeah. what made you to go for for it all the way? Or you know, I don't know how you say that exactly, but um, yeah, how did that happen? Uh, I think this was quite a process. Uh, mm -hmm. During my study time, uh, of course, there were some students that uh, were more experienced in the study uh, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, they planned to go their way in the church yeah. uh, and they told about it they were very much inspired and it was well during my study time that i just well started thinking about it mm -hmm. uh, uh, what does it mean to be church uh, okay church needs ministers uh, what does it mean to be a minister and during the way but well it's 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 really fascinating uh, uh, being yeah. a minister it means that uh, you can share your inspiration you are with so many people uh, mm -hmm. you really can close to people uh, in their homes in their hearts in their families in their uh, uh, you talk about you talk with them about uh, uh, what keeps them going uh, what what's motivating them um uh, but the church as a, as a whole also plays a role in society. Um, mm -hmm. So which role can you play? Um, and well, at the end of my study, I decided uh, let, let's, let's give it a try. Mm. And, and if, if I, um, you know, understand your story correctly, um, it seems to me that, you know, although you studied theology, you know, the reason, you know, your your search was very similar to, you know, why you started law uh, as well. I mean, that's, you know, um, very active around justice, um, the way I understand it. And, and in such a way that the Protestant church then asked you at a certain moment to be the president or the general secretary of the synod right so um 
that's that's a that's a big deal. So I have two questions about it. You know, one is why do you think you were asked to serve? And second, if you look back at that period, uh, what what are you most proud of if you look back in terms of what mm-hmm. you were able to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, um, uh, yes, I think it was very special that I was asked to uh, uh, to serve in this position. But when I started, uh, I told in the Netherlands uh, that I started as a, a girl that didn't attend church at all for 18 years. Um, and uh, in a way, I think uh, it was touching for people, so l- like a little sign of hope in a, in a, a, a country that is so much secularized uh, to hear about someone that really chooses uh, for the church. Uh, so that was uh, the good part of it. For me, you're correct. Uh, what motivates me uh, in the church is that uh, the church has uh, a role in society. Uh, and the church is a, a place where we can reflect together uh, from a hopeful perspective uh, that there is a God. And I, of course, I, I'm not sure about who, how, where God is. But the concept of God is uh, we all have our own interests. Mm. And God has only one interest. And that's the best for the whole of creation, mm. for each and everyone. Well, I think that was what I was looking for, perhaps you could say, uh, my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what still uh, keeps me going. Yeah. And and um, before I ask you to, to answer the second part of yeah. my question, I, I have a follow-up question on the first. Um, you know, just for, for the audience, because, you know, I've been living now for close to 13 years in the US and there, you know, talking about faith, about God, it's part of, uh, you know, c- could be part of a normal conversation. Um, that's not the case, you know, and, but, you know, having said, well, I've, I've left 30 years ago, I left the Netherlands 30 years ago, but I grew up in, a, in the Netherlands where you did not talk about your faith. Uh, if you had a faith, you did never talk about God, you know. Um, and actually, if you were, a, you know, if you went to church, it would not be something that you would tell your friends. Um, so within that particular context, that's different. So being, you know, the head of the church in, in the Netherlands is then maybe different. Not maybe. It is different than in a country like the U.S. Um, so how did you, yeah, how do you see that? Um, I agree with you that uh, in the Netherlands, it's not uh, the normal thing to talk about uh, a church, uh, to talk about your faith, to talk about God. Um, and what hurts me the most that if people are talking about God, it's it's most of the times in a very conservative way. Hmm. Uh, for instance, one of the topics is uh, homosexuality. When I hear something about uh, on the radio about homosexuality and church, it's, uh, oh, well, these are Christians, so they are against homosexuality. It's quite the opposite. Uh, when I started attending the church, uh, um, uh, I came in a, in a church that really be- believed in a God that uh, was searching for the well-being of uh, each and everyone. So in Leiden, uh, the oldest university city in the, in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. uh, there was a church. Uh, the whole of the community uh, went uh, in a demonstration for uh, gay rights. Mm-hmm. And for me, this 
came very much together. Uh, the way of being church and uh, uh, my own uh, belief in God, what I was searching for, came together. And I think this also answers your uh, second question. Uh, what's the thing that I'm the, uh, proud of period that I was a, a president of my church? I think we showed in society uh, that there's more church than the conservative part. Uh, mm. That church has to do with all aspects of life. Uh, the church is open uh, for everyone um, and not only open for, well, please, uh, you are welcome. Uh, come and visit us and uh, be part of our framework. And now uh, we are really interested in people and we are really uh, wanting to serve all people. Mm -hmm. And we are looking uh, for a society in which uh, all people can flourish. Karen, if you if you look at the uh, Protestant church now, um, is that something that is still there? So, you know, did the, did the Protestant church continue to have that, you know, empathy, inclusiveness after you left? You know, yes. I, I, you, you did not leave, but, you know, after no, you left yeah. as, as the leader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, I think so. And of course, our church is a church with uh, many varieties. Um, mm -hmm. So there are, uh, there are 1,700 uh, congregations and mm -hmm. they are all different. The position I have now is a, a, exactly this position. Uh, how can you be church in society and mm -hmm. how can you serve uh, people? How can you serve creation? Mm -hmm. um, uh, the World Council of Churches is established in the Netherlands, 1948, mm -hmm. uh, of course, after the uh, Second World War. Uh, many uh, of those worldwide institutions uh, were established. I think it was a reaction uh, on uh, the fact that we had a world war and that lots of people thought, this is not what we uh, expect, uh, expect from, from life. This is not what we are looking for. Uh, how can we serve uh, humanity, promote solidarity with each other? The World Council of Churches started in uh, 1948. We are now 75, 76 years later. But it's, uh, this inspiration is still there. And at the moment, uh, uh, we are really reconnecting as Protestant Church to uh, the World Council of Churches mm -hmm. because we do see people are church and they talk about god in their very small communities but as in my own life the 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 local character of the church and the global it belongs together hmm. and the world council of churches is an ecumenical body uh, and ecumenism is not only about unity within churches but this human uh, this unity represents uh, the unity of the wholeness of life uh, of creation we are long longing for if I if I you know look at your uh, journey, so I see justice is an important one, but then also not only you know advocating or or uh, living and working in your own church, but really reaching out to other um, Christian churches as well. So you know you're alluded to that the ecumenical movement, um, and why where where does that come from? What what do you hope that that will you know ultimately lead to um well um, perhaps we can take the example uh, at mm -hmm. this moment uh, yeah. i think uh, worldwide we are all uh, uh, touched by uh, what we see what's going on in the, uh, israel and gaza mm -hmm. 
Um, and in a way, um, when you look at that situa situation, well, human-wise, there's no solution. Uh, there are almost no uh, uh, signs of hope uh, anymore. I like in church together is that somehow we find our way calling ourselves uh, to um, a positive attitude. Uh, you look at the situation and it's you see only the dark sides of life, um, uh, but it's not helpful if we just are uh, depressed, stay behind, uh, rest in our chairs uh, and don't say any words anymore. Uh, that's not helpful for the world. So we need to, to find a way uh, to address uh, the dark sides of life and to uh, see how we can add uh, some sparks of, uh, of light. There are only a few sparks of, uh, of light, uh, but uh, uh, we have to look for them and uh, uh, let's see what we can do to, uh, uh, to let them grow. And, and can you maybe allude to, you know, what in this case is the World Council of Churches trying to do within this, you know, yeah, in, within this war, within this, and, and, and how is it, and what is the role of the ecumenical movement uh, in relation to, because, you know, I, I think if you talk about Gaza, it seems that, you know, interfaith collaboration is, is important. So how, how does ecumenical, ecumenism fit into that or, or relate with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think in the World Council of Churches, it's a, a process for years and years uh, that, uh, uh, for instance, Christians in Palestine, uh, they take uh, a strong uh, place in the uh, World Council of Churches, and they are very strong in uh, non-violence. Uh, for me, it doesn't matter that these are the Christian people, because uh, we are looking for the rights for all people. Uh, this choice for non-violence um, uh, is a significant one. I visited uh, Israel and Palestine uh, myself several times. And uh, January last year, I visited uh, uh, also uh, Jerusalem uh, and there were some very young military people uh, on the streets. And um, uh, we started uh, asking them, uh, what are you doing? Why are you serving? Uh, and they were so, uh, we have to serve. Uh, if we don't serve uh, uh, the army of Israel, uh, Israel will, will be blown away. We just told them that we visited Ramallah, uh, Palestine city, uh, that afternoon. They were almost blown away. How, how can it be that you visited Ramallah and that you are still alive? It's just an example. Uh, the people uh, think in uh, 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 black and white. Uh, uh, these are the good ones. Uh, these are the uh, bad ones. There's a, well... Uh, in World Council of Churches, uh, the Palestines uh, are uh, uh, those that need support worldwide. Uh, the Arab countries, they want to support the Palestines. Other countries want to uh, support uh, the, uh, Israel. Um, uh, but what do we do to show uh, those who want to support Israel that not all the Palestines are terrorists? Uh, 
uh, that uh, people are different and that they are all people and that they in a way are all longing for uh, a safe place to live. Uh, Jews are longing for a safe place to live. Palestines are uh, searching for a safe place to live. And how can we uh, promote a dialogue on uh, living peaceful together? It's, it seems so naive during these days uh, to have that goal, serve the dialogue. And, uh, but, well, I, I think it's the, it's the only way. Um, and um, in the World Council of Churches, we try to promote that way. And in the Protestant Church in the Netherlands, uh, we try to promote that way. It's complicated uh, because the, the, the Jews in our country, they are angry at, at us uh, whenever we use the word Palestines uh, in a positive way. Uh, but we need to stay hopeful uh, and to um, uh, draft, address that the only way is uh, people looking at each other, share the good things in life and share the, uh, the wounds uh, they all have. No, th thank you for sharing that, Arena. Because I, you know, I really believe in in the, the power of connecting uh, people. That's what I hope that this little podcast is contributing to as well. That that the listeners, you know, they don't have to agree with my my guests, but that you realize that there is always something where you say, oh, you know, that makes sense, and, and you 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 start at that point where you where you agree. And and um, you know talking with each other and dialogue and, and that is very much necessary in this world uh, today. Um, I have a question about um, the organization you work for now because yes, you're part of the World Council of Churches, but you also work, as you alluded to in the beginning, Kerk and Axi. So that's the Act Alliance Netherlands, right? Um, so what is your role there? And and um, yeah, what do you hope you know you and and Kirk and Axi, um will contribute to, and and, yeah. and just doing? Yeah, my job title is Chief Program Officer. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have a CEO, a COO, and a CPO, and the three of us uh, are responsible for uh, for Kirk and Axi. and it's my uh, duty and uh, my job to think about what's the reason that we are on Earth. Uh, Kerk in Actie, a, a church in action, you could say. Um, uh, it's uh, putting also uh, this church in the worldwide network, network of churches and other organizations that together wants to serve humanity, justice, peace. We are aiming for is uh, uh, how do we uh, connect uh, with all those uh, people worldwide, like us, searching for justice, peace, um, uh, integrity of creation and we use the network of churches and we call it being a church worldwide um, but in all the uh, other countries uh, we work with um, it's always the church and other organizations and serving uh, all people uh, not only serving Christians sometimes this is a kind of misunderstanding it's serving the whole of society um, but we think faith and church can be a positive uh, change maker in society. It's our unique selling point to say that uh, we use this uh, as a network. Just for uh, you know, people who are not familiar uh, with, with the Netherlands, so um, are you considered to be, uh, is, is that an NGO in, in, in uh, 
uh, Kekenactie or like because you have Court Aid in the Netherlands, you have uh, Oxfam. Are you a similar organization like that or is it is it different? No, it, uh, uh, it looks like an NGO, but it's an integrated part of the Protestant Church in the Netherlands. Okay. And so you could say it's a department of the uh, of the Protestant Church in the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. And we serve more or less as an NGO. It's an integrated part. When we uh, formulate our objectives, and we want to do more on sustainability, for instance. We have to go to uh, the synod uh, of our church to okay. agree on that. Yeah. Okay, and and where do you get your funding then from? Most uh, uh, of the money comes from uh, churches, from local congregations. Hmm. And there are uh, also many individual donors, some stakeholders uh, that want to support our projects. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, in that way, it's uh, you could say it's uh, non-governmental. There are no programs that are funded by, uh, by the government. For most of it, individual uh, uh, persons that uh, want to uh, donate and uh, uh, local congregations, mm-hmm. people okay. in local congregations. Yeah, uh, thanks. You 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 mentioned about uh, you know the sustainability, sustainable development goals. That's something that I always try to you know lift up in within this podcast as well because I I really think it's important. Um, it's a framework that we came up with as as a world. It's not perfect. But at least it's an effort in trying to make this world more uh, sustainable. Now, the the latest um, uh, report shows that we are at 15% on average, uh, you know, in reaching these 17 goals. So that's uh, not good. Um, So my question to you is, yeah, what do you would like uh, the, the listeners to uh, know about the sustainable development goals because i know in the netherlands many people know about it in the us um, we don't talk a lot about it so yeah what do you want the listeners to know about the sdgs yeah what i uh, really like uh, on uh, that framework of the sustainable uh, development goals is that it's a it's a framework uh, that connects things it's on uh, uh, sustainability it's on education very concrete and it helps us if we follow this path to be there in, uh, in 2030 there are concrete objectives uh, what i see in the netherlands is that uh, some of the development organizations they really work with, with these uh, sustainability uh, goals but there are so many people in the netherlands that do not care at all and it's perhaps because for people who are working uh, in the development sector uh, it's helpful it's a framework um, but if you are not in uh, this sector already sometimes difficult to inspired by a framework people get inspired by for instance on sustainability stories they hear about uganda and how farmers really struggle with uh, uh, periods of drought and periods of, of floods how people in kenya uh, or in ethiopia um, how they have to do uh, cattle uh, dying because lack of water. I think it's uh, very helpful to work with the sustainable uh, development goals. Uh, if you are in a sector, uh, we as people working uh, within the sector, we have to explain the real thing in life to people to get them motivated to uh, change their lifestyle, for instance. Thank you for for uh, 
lifting that up. What, what is interesting to see probably because the Netherlands are going into new elections is to see which you know political party is mentioning the, the 17 sustainable development goals. Because it's definitely something that, you know, Europe and, and the world is is looking at. And again, you're right. So, you know, some countries are better uh, than others. You know, one of the reasons, uh, well, a growing group of people in, in the world is saying that one of the reasons that we are only at 50% on average, that we are not, you know, we don't, it seems that we are not going to reach those goals before 2030. And that's, um, it's not only because of all the crises and wars that are going on. This growing group of people is saying that um, it is also because we are not paying proper attention to the knowledge, skills, and ability that you need as an individual and as a community. And as a result, they did a, a survey. And on the basis of this survey, they came up with five inner development goals. And it is being, thinking, relating, collaborating, and acting. Now, um, yeah, what what is, if you hear that, um, what do you think about these inner development goals? And then maybe the question that I would like to ask to you is, is that somehow related with, you know, um, your work and your uh, passion in terms of, you know, the the church and faith, bringing that back into people's lives? Yeah, I think it has all uh, to do with each other uh, because this in a development goals, uh, this is, uh, of course, we have our objectives. We are going to reach them or, or we are not going to reach them. But these are our objectives uh, in outcomes, you could say. But what's helpful to come over there? It needs uh, the motivation of people and it needs their ability to act, uh, to reach uh, the goals. Well, we already talked about people need the stories about real people uh, in other parts of the world to get motivated uh, to change things in life and to act in a way, then you are uh, at the point of the inner development goals. We want to reach something, but it needs people who are motivated and who are doing the thing, who are changing uh, the lives, mm. who are lobbying you know, at our government. You know, some people that have talked about it is, you know, all, you know, if you talk about empathy, or, you know, love, taking care of others. Um, you need to compare it, well, they um, compare it with a muscle, you know? So so if you never train it, then then how can you expect that it will work? Yeah. So so um, does it resonate with you? Yeah, yeah. And, and how, how do we train then our, our, ourselves? How, how would you, how would you, you know, what is the golden tip from your yeah. perspective? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> It's uh, perhaps it sounds a little bit conservative, uh, but for me, a, a church life is a really thing. I'm always a little bit sad when people think, uh, "Oh yes, going to church it means uh, uh, in the Netherlands people sometimes say uh, it means uh, wearing black pants." Uh, and uh, uh, but uh, for me, it's exactly on this point. That, uh, mm. You come together, together uh, once a week. Uh, you share stories. You hear a story. You reflect on life. For me, it was a, uh, an experience, for instance, uh, that in the church we have so many songs and there are mm -hmm. so many songs about peace. 
And when I'm in my small village uh, in the southwest, uh, southwest part of our country, it uh, sounds very nice to sing about peace, but it doesn't really uh, touch uh, the heart or comes close to, to the heart. Uh, when I had my first meeting with the World Council of Churches, it was with uh, someone from Palestine that I uh, entered the chapel and sang such a nice song uh, on peace. And I mm -hmm. suddenly realized, hmm, singing together, about peace with someone close to me from Palestine. The word mean, peace means immediately something uh, something else. I, I suddenly realized that it's not uh, that we are such a nice, calm village in, uh, in a rural part of the Netherlands. No, mm -hmm. we are a worldwide community and there are uh, many parts uh, in which there's no peace at all. This is a way of uh, training ourselves in uh, something, something is asked from us. Mm -hmm. So how do we train the muscle? Yeah. Uh, share stories. Who realize that we are part of a worldwide family? When we talk about sustainability, of course, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, we hear stories about pollution. But it's not really affecting the situation in the Netherlands mm -hmm. so much. But when we hear uh, stories in Indonesia or from the Pacific, it helps to understand uh, why it is needed uh, to have a sustainable uh, development goal mm. uh, on uh, sustainability. And it needs uh, the motivation and training of our inner development goals to really get engaged uh, uh, to these uh, objectives. I, I would like to to piggyback on a couple of things you said in terms of, um, you know, because the word hope, um, you mentioned a couple of times, um, you know, uh, connecting, listening, sharing narratives uh, with each other is important. So I, yeah, a couple of episodes ago, I started introducing a new question um, well, a new way of asking questions because I'm I'm introducing a question of my previous guest. So you know, in in really connecting all of the different uh, guests with each other in a in a more even intentional way. So I have a question um, of my previous guest for you, and she is asking you. Yeah, I would be really interested to hear the, your thoughts on hope. Do you feel like that is a motivating force for you? Where do you find it? Um, is it something that is a distraction maybe? Um, there's a lot of talk in the youth climate movement about this. So I'm always interested to hear people's thoughts. Oh, <laughs> that's a nice and good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, it's a motivating factor. Yes, I think it's uh, quite clear from my story that it is a motivating factor. Uh, and I uh, would wish so many people, they have this uh, motivating factor. When I uh, look at a lot of young people in the, in the Netherlands, I think they are sometimes so uh, stressed about uh, climate, about polarization, about the war in Ukraine, about Israel and Gaza. Uh, and if you only look uh, at uh, the dark sides of life, and there are many in this time, it's really difficult to uh, discover a ground of hope. So this is one of the muscles we need to, to train, to use your expression, mm -hmm. because it's the only way to, 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 to keep going, get uh, each other uh, motivated. So we really need uh, this hope. Um, and 
for me, uh, I discovered, I call it God, and, uh, whatever uh, God and whomever uh, God may be, but it's uh, for me the language in which I uh, can express myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is because, well, in the, in the Bible, there are so many sad stories too about sexual abuse, uh, violence, uh, so many sad stories. Even in these sad stories, the huge story about God uh, with us and who's asking us, please don't sit down. Uh, please uh, uh, come, uh, uh, go with me. Uh, we are on a journey of justice and peace. That's mm. what keeps me going. Yeah, I cannot prove there is a God. And for me, it's not the most important thing. Um, but uh, I experienced in my life that just this um, uh, word hope uh, or the word trust, uh, it was helpful for me uh, to find the positive way of living so that's what i uh uh yeah well i would be happy if uh, uh many young people would discover uh, such a ground of being um yeah your question for the next guest. We talked about hope, uh, about solidarity, about justice, uh, but peace is another important word, uh, I think, uh, during this uh, time. And um, my question to your next guest, eager to know uh, uh, who it will be, uh, would be peace. Where do you experience peace in your own life? And what helps you to promote peace? And do you dare to hope for peace for this world? In a way, these are three questions, but all related to the word peace. Yeah, no, no, good. Yeah, music is is very uh, dear uh, to me. So I always have a uh, question about music as well. And a lot of my guests find this the most difficult question that I always ask. But um, if I would ask you to mention a song or a piece of music that embodies for the big part what you, Karen, are about, which song or piece of music would that be and why? Oh, there are um, many songs that inspire me, many songs from the church, but perhaps there's one, a, a nice song from uh, Edith Piaf, mm-hmm. uh, and it sounds a little bit negative perhaps, but non rien à rien, non je ne regrette rien. No, there's nothing that I regret. Well, this message sounds a little bit negative, but for me, it's a very positive uh, song uh, because it uh, reminds me of uh, whatever there is in your past don't keep your eyes on the past keep your eyes uh, on the future and uh, please go on in a positive way go on with uh, this grant of being go on with your words of hope go on with all those things that inspire you so that's uh, uh, I like the, also the voice of Edith Piaf. Mm-hmm. It's very nice, but uh, it's 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 really strong. I think. Great, and and I will add that to um, the Spotify uh, playlist that uh, <laughs> I made, and there you can listen to all the songs that have been selected by. Uh, the previous guest and and it's really interesting because it goes from you know chansons to classical music from hard rock 
to you know R and B um, folk. So it's yeah, it's it's really uh, a great. So if you go to Spotify and you go you search for hashtag Walk Talk Listen, you will find all the songs that have been uh, selected. Um, yeah, Karin, any message, invitation, or question for the listeners? Um, no, I think it was nice to talk to you. It's nice that you uh, came up with these inner development goals. Uh, and perhaps that's the, uh, a good thing to, to end with. The inner development goals, of course, it's also a framework. But I think it's nice for people to know uh, what are my inner development goals. Uh, what do I want to train? Which muscle needs mm. a little bit more attention? That could be my uh, message at the end. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's great. I have one last question for you, though, and that is um, is related to something that uh, is happening here in the US on, on CBS by, by Steve Hartman. He examines one simple act of kindness and how it creates a ripple effect. And um, so I have two quick questions around this. One, what are your thoughts about one simple act of kindness and the potential to create a ripple effect? And second is, if I ask you now on the spot, um, you know, to come up with one simple act of kindness this week, what would you do? Yeah, yeah. two questions. Uh, last week, uh, I heard a story from one of our theologians in the Netherlands, Katja Tolstaya. She was a refugee years and years ago from the Soviet Union. And she lives now in the Netherlands. And her husband is from Ukraine. Hmm. So when the uh, war in Ukraine started, they decided uh, we can have some refugees in our home. And she showed me two pictures. One of the pictures was a drawing uh, the children made uh, a few weeks after they arrived in the Netherlands. And it was a very aggressive picture. And then she showed me another picture. And it was a few weeks ago. Uh, mm. She came home from her work. And uh, she went uh, a little bit in a hurry to her home and her husband took her out and he said, uh, have you seen the street? The children made a drawing and they made a drawing of a peaceful house with children, uh, children playing. And he said, Katja, we did, we did a good, good job. The children mm -hmm. eh, feel at mm -hmm. home now. They are safe. They are. Of course, this is not a, a little gift of kindness. It's, it's a, a real decision to... Mm -hmm. uh, have refugees in your home but uh, i like that story very much mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and for me uh, uh, i have a, a small garden and we grow some vegetables in our garden and i always like it how uh, people in my part of the country just share their vegetables these are very uh, small uh, gifts and it doesn't take that much from you because you have, uh, if you grow vegetables there's always too much in your garden but it's such a kind way uh, of creating a sharing community and to promote a feeling of people belonging to each other, mm. looking at each other, and just uh, share uh, the gifts uh, that we receive. Um, yeah. Right. So you will be sharing your vegetables this week yeah. with, <laughs> with your community. Great. Um, Karin, thank you so much. These conversations always go fast. Um, yeah. And any question I should have asked you? That I didn't, or are we good? I think we did a good job, Maurice. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for everything you do and for who you are. And um, yeah, um, have a great rest of the week. Thank you for this nice pod podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.